Good morning. We're glad you're here with us this morning. We know that there's a lot of places you can be, and we appreciate you joining us here this morning. This morning, we want to talk a little bit about worth, value. How do you determine worth? How do you determine what something's worth? I brought these with me. These are some comic books that came from my office, and uh, they're uh, first issue collector's items signed, autographed by the artists, and depending on where you look, the internet tells me that these things individually are worth two or three hundred bucks a piece. Now, can I take these down to the bank and hand them over to them, and they hand me two or three hundred bucks a piece? Doesn't really work that way, does it? See, you're only worth what somebody is going to pay for it. Um, the, the, the truth is, no matter what the internet says, no matter what the value books say, it, it's, it's only, the, the only value these things have is the value that we place on them. We're proceeding through Philippians, and in, in Philippians we find Paul in prison writing to this church that he loved, that he yearned for. And, and he, he sees his own troubles his own imprisonment, his uh, incarceration as inconsequential. Paul looks at his life and his problems through lenses of grace-filled optimism. Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning if you have your Bibles. We're going to start about verse 12. And in Philippians 1.12, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. The gospel is being spread to the guards. In all this jail and all this imprisonment and all this incarceration, that's what Paul pays attention to. He's not sitting there complaining about being locked up. He's not sitting there frustrated that, that he's not being able to, to get out and preach more. He is saying, because I'm here, these guards, these, these people that are taking care of me are now learning about the gospel. Now, I don't know about you, but that's an amazing perspective. Because I've been quarantined in my house for just a short time. And I don't have this attitude. Maybe it's just me, but I complain, and I gripe, and I whine, and I get that quarantine depression going. But, but Paul, in this situation, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't see it that way. And, and being in this situation makes him think of that church in Philippi, makes him think of that incarceration where he ministered to that Philippian jailer where that jailer was transformed and his whole household was saved because of the way God worked in that imprisonment. Now, follow along. He goes on to talk about the gospel being spread to others. Verse 14. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Again, the cause of Christ is so valuable to Paul. It's worth so much to Paul. That all he's worried about is because I've been locked up, it's made other people step up. It's made other people bolder. It's made them more apt to do the ministry that I was doing beforehand. Look what he says next. 
Verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Now you see what's going on here? When, when you take a dominant leader, a dominant personality like Paul, and you remove him, it creates sort of a vacuum. And, and there are others who will swoop in to fill that vacuum for whatever reason. Some do it out of selfishness. They want the notoriety. They want not to promote the gospel, but to promote themselves. Others are swooping in to try to lift up the ministry that Paul had begun and continue the cause of Christ. And Paul says, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter either way, whether they're doing it for good motives or bad motives, as long as the gospel is being preached, that's what's important. If Christ is proclaimed, in that I rejoice. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that remarkable. Because a lot of times when I was growing up, when I was hearing about things in church, we didn't like anybody who didn't believe the same way we did. And so if you were doing it for a different motive, if you were doing church for a different reason than what we were doing, then you were wrong. That's not how Paul sees things. Paul says, I don't care why they're doing it, because as long as Christ is proclaimed, Christ is of such worth, of such value, of such importance, that none of the rest of it matters. Paul sees the proclamation of the good news as being the primary goal. Everything else is secondary. Now, when I used to be in education, I would be called on sometimes to help teachers learn how to deal with problem students. And one of the things that we would have to do is we'd, we'd have to sit down and go, okay, what's the goal here? What's the point? Are we here to teach this kid how to sit in a seat? Or are we here to teach this kid to do English? Are, are we here to teach this kid to raise his hand to speak, or are we here to teach this kid math? Because sometimes we get so hung up on the form that we on the, the, the form that we forget the function. We forget the point. We forget what we're here for. And Paul says, all that matters is the gospel. Everything else, it's not important. The gospel is, is of such worth to Paul. See, Paul talks a lot about worth and about worthiness. That scripture that we heard this morning, it talked about worth, being worthy of the gospel. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have been called. Colossians 1, he talks about to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 2, he talks about uh, we charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. In 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, he talks about that, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom. And so what does he mean? Because he talks a lot about worth. He talks a lot about worthiness. What does Paul mean when he's talking about worth, when he's talking about worthy? For Paul, it means ascribing worth. It, it, it means when he commands others to live worthy, he wants them to live in such a way that, that it shows the supreme worth 
of Christ and the gospel. For Christians, it, it means living in such a way that Jesus is lifted up, that Jesus is seen as, as more important. In, in Paul's world, the gospel and, and the, his God that he serves are so important that everything else doesn't matter, including himself and his own well-being. Paul is so in love with Jesus that, that everything else becomes insignificant. So when people are preaching Jesus, regardless of motives, Paul says that's all that matters. When someone means to harm Paul for the gospel, he, he considers his harm a fair trade. And, and his bodily injury is a fair trade. In prison, I'll rejoice. If I'm living in luxury at Lydia's house, I'll rejoice. It, it, no matter what, I will be happy if Jesus is being lifted up. Philippians 1, verse 18. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For Paul, there's no living apart from Christ. There's no church life and home life. There's no, no secularization. It's all Jesus. Everything is Jesus. And, and, and as long as Jesus is being lifted up, then that's all that matters. He, he's been there. He's seen this before. See, he, he, he's thinking about this Philippian church and Lydia who has everything that she could want who has financial worth, who has uh, career worth, who has all the, 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 the comforts that life can provide, but still was seeking something more. There's an emptiness. He, he, he thinks about this, this little slave girl who, who had been sold into slavery and, and who has, has, has wallowed in bitterness and anger to the point that her soul was open to influences that, that took over her in, in a different way. And, and was that a life worth living? Was that a life worth pursuing? Or, or this jailer who, whose whole life was his job? So much so, we don't even know his name. All we know is his occupation because that defined him. His job was so important to him that that was all there was. But yet he was still empty because that's not a life worth pursuing either. Paul has seen the moral brokenness, the spiritual slavery in all of his travels. He, he's seen that joy comes when the gospel heals and transformed lives. He would tell you that he himself is a representative of that. The love of God hijacked his life. The love of God took him over. And, and now this, this zealous Pharisee is, is this grace-filled, loving, joyful apostle. So Paul says, to live is Christ. And that's his real life. There's no alternatives. When, when everything considered valuable in this life is seen as nothing in comparison to the absolute worth of Jesus Christ, then, then you learn that Jesus is alone what is worth living for. But Paul doesn't just go there. He goes further. He takes it a step further. Verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
If I'm going to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Death has no sting. Death has no victory over Paul. It's another one of those things in life that, comp- that, that, that pales in comparison to the infinite worth of Jesus. The great preacher Dwight Moody once said, Someday you'll read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am right now. See, for a Christian, there is no death. There's no end. There's no victory in death. Paul sees that death is not an end, but but, but a homecoming. It's not something to fear. For for me to live is Christ, and and I will glorify Christ in my life, but to die is gain. I'm going to be blessed if I die. So no matter what, I'm going to celebrate the infinite worth of Jesus. Sitting in opulence at Lydia's house, Having everything that he could want, he will rejoice. Being in prison, being incarcerated, he will rejoice. No matter what, Christ is worth more. No matter what. Christ is of such infinite worth to Paul that that everything, including himself or his own life, pales in comparison. But like any good preacher, he's not going to stop there. He's going to turn it into a challenge. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul has spent the last few verses reminding them of the supremacy of Christ. That that Jesus is above all. That it's all about Jesus. All of life is about Christ. There's nothing else. Therefore, the gospel of Christ is of such value, is of such worth that nothing else matters. Paul says then that you need to live in such a way that you are worthy of that sacrifice. Now, some people hear that and they picture saving Private Ryan. You know that scene at the end of the movie where uh, Tom Hanks' character leans in and whispers, earn this. And there are people who are living their Christian life right now trying to earn this. But that's not what he's talking about. Paul has just established to us that Christ supersedes everything. There is nothing of more value than Christ. So therefore, there is nothing you can do that will make you worthy of that sacrifice. There is absolutely no way you can earn that. So what does he mean? What is he talking about when he says walk in a manner worthy? He says that throughout all of his letters, walk in a manner worthy. Think about this. Christ is above all. His love, his grace are worth more than anything, period, end of story. There's nothing, including myself or my very life, that that can be worth as much as the gospel of Christ. But now, remember, remember these comic books? Comic books are a funny market because they're only worth what someone's willing to pay for them. 
It doesn't matter what the price guide says. It doesn't matter what uh, the internet says. It, it means nothing if nobody's willing to pay that price. If they're not willing to pay what the price guide says they're worth, then they're not really worth that. Their worth is only determined by the demand and what someone is willing to pay. So here's Paul's point. You are worth the life of Jesus Christ, who is of more worth than anything in the world. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus, who is above all, considered you worthy of giving himself for. So what does that mean? How do I walk in a manner worthy? Paul is saying you're worth the life of the Son of God because that's what was paid for you. So here's what he's telling you. Live like that. Live like you're worth the love that you've been given. Live like you're worth the price that has been paid for you. Live like royalty, children of the king, not pompous and condescending, but, but a blood-bought child of the king. Uh, there's nothing in the world that can change that. There's nothing that can determine your value. People will say, but Jeff, I, I'm not worthy of that. Jesus considered you worth his life. That makes you of infinite worth because Paul says nothing is greater than Jesus. Live in a manner worthy of the love you've been given. The way you do that is by sharing that love, by giving it away. That means everyone that you meet is worthy of the blood of Jesus. Everyone that you come into contact with is someone who Jesus considered worth dying for. That changes the way you react to the whole world. Whether it's the, the, the little girl that's checking you out at Kroger and, and that is uh, obviously harried because everybody's not been very nice to her all day. It's the, uh, the waitress that, that forgot your order and, and now maybe things are taking a little longer than you meant for them to. And, and it's, it's the policeman who just pulled you over and, and, and is giving you a ticket because you may have been going a little too fast. It's that, that bum on the street that smells like old garbage. It's the kid who shows up with no school supplies and disrupts the entire class. It, it doesn't matter. Every single person you come into contact with is worth the blood of Jesus Christ. That changes the way we react to the world. That changes everything. Every one of these people that we come into contact with are worth the life of Jesus. He who is infinitely priceless thought you were worth his life. That should change everything. It should change the way we live. It should change the way we interact with the world. And, and, and it, eventually it makes you have this attitude like Paul that the gospel of Christ, this good news that you're of such worth that Jesus would die and give himself up for you is, is so valuable that nothing else matters. Not my freedom, not my individuality, not my even my life. To live is Christ, but to die is gain no matter what. It's not about me. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Living a, a life worthy of the gospel means constantly remembering that it's not about me. 
It, it involves loving one another and giving of myself in, in such a way that, that I lift others up, but more importantly, that I lift Jesus up. Sooner or later, this church was going to need those words. Because sooner or later, Lydia is going to struggle with pride. The, the wealthy lady is going to want a little bit more control and maybe threaten to withhold her contribution if things don't go the way that she wants them to go. Or maybe the, the slave girl is going to struggle with personal self-esteem values. You think maybe as she got older, she may have had a few relationship issues, maybe a, a few trust issues. Maybe she had trouble relating to men like the men who had abused and subjugated her for her life. Or, or maybe our, our ex-GI needs to, our, our Philippian jailer needs to learn to, to soften his edges a little bit because he may treat everybody else like they're a prisoner or like they're a soldier. And, and it's hard for him to, to interact with, with other people because he may lose his patience. He may yell and snip. But living a life worthy of the gospel doesn't mean we dress up in our Sunday best and come up to a building and pretend to be perfect. That's not good news. That's a burden. It means that we think of others as better than ourselves. We think of other people as more important than us. People ask me why uh, the, the, the church is taking so long to come back together this right here because we value other people more than we do ourselves my needs aren't as important as the needs of the least in our body that's kind of what Christianity is all about taking care of the least of these even if they don't want to take care of themselves because they are worthy of the blood of Jesus Christ living a life worthy of the gospel means we put ourself aside and it's not about me it's about Jesus it's about lifting up Jesus living a life worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ is is a life lived deeply in love in grace with others regardless of our differences regardless of our, our, our misunderstandings regardless of of any of that stuff we're striving to to help other people to find Jesus so that he may be lifted up because that good news about Jesus is worth more than anything this world has to offer so your challenge this week is the same challenge Paul offers to the Philippians live in a manner worthy of the love you've been given Live in a manner that people see you and glorify Jesus because of you. Live in a manner that holds other people as valuable, as so valuable that our Lord was willing to die for each and every one of us. When you do that, we can change the world. Let's bow together.